Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. After, you know, three, four, five days of being awake, I was just praying to God not to wake me up anymore. I was like, I have nothing left to live for. My guest today is named J.R. Weaver. He is the author of The Addiction Manifesto, and he is also the creator of the Recovery Revolution Facebook page. Welcome to the show, J.R. Start us off, man. Tell tell the uh, the listeners that don't know who you are who J.R. Weaver is. Hi, everyone. My name is, is J.R. Weaver. I am a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder and mental health disorders. I've been diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, depression, substance use, and pretty much everything. I'm that I'm also a uh, a graduate of Charleston County Adult Drug Court. I am the senior mentor for Veterans Treatment Court. I'm also the author of The Addiction Manifesto and the creator of the Recovery Revolution Facebook page and 501c3 nonprofit. And Brett's boss. That's right. That's right. Quite the list, man. And that's, uh, that's actually how we met was through the recovery revolution Facebook page. And then JR invited me to start a show over there. And we started doing the, uh, recovery revolution live stream on, on his Facebook page. And, and he and I have become closer over the last couple months, just talking and, and brainstorming ideas for the show. And, uh, you know, just talking general recovery. And I was like, man, I got to get this guy on the show. Cause he's, uh, well, he's a low-key celebrity. He he'll deny it, but you know he's he's kind of a big deal in the recovery world. <laughs> no, I'm I'm trying to get out the limelight, man. You guys keep keep sucking me back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to, man. You got a good message, man. And I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners a little bit more about your story, what your life looked like in active addiction, and how you came to find recovery. Okay. Um, they say I started drinking back in high school and I found, I remember the first time I started drinking, it was probably, I was probably about 12 years old. I was, I think I was a freshman in high school. It was at a, my sister was having a party at our house. So, and I remember liking the way it made me feel, you know, I probably drank maybe four beers and passed out in the middle of the floor, but that kind of uh, got the ball rolling in high school. And, you know, so we started drinking on weekends and, you know, four years of that. And then I enlisted in the army coming out of high school. This was back in 1987. 
I landed in Germany. I was in uh, Berlin back then. Back then, uh, Germany was divided, and my first duty station was 200 miles inside uh, East Germany, which when they said when they talk about the Berlin Wall, there there was a physical wall around our part of the city. I mean, we were we were pretty much surrounded, outnumbered, outgunned, but not outmanned. I mean, and then that's when uh, my drinking really took off. And, you know, I started drinking a couple nights a week. And back then, the, the military really, really didn't shun drinking as long as you could perform your, your duties the next day, which I had no issue. I was pretty much a uh, functioning alcoholic back then. So I had gotten out um, after my initial tour and I, I started college. And probably, you know, a couple classes in, it was, uh, it, there was a, a big change for me. I mean, it was, I felt like I was out of my environment. So I turned to drinking even more and I started drinking, you know, every night. And then it, it got so bad that I was drinking before, the, before classes just to feel normal in class, which, you know, I never really could. So fortunate for me, uh, I had gotten my during my first semester, I gotten recalled back into the service for uh, OEF, and I was uh, reactivated. You know, spent some time away for that, and you know, and I found that being back surrounded back by other Army vets really kind of helped me, but I didn't, I didn't. Uh, put uh, fit the pieces together until I was released and then tried to go back to college and things, things were really out of whack then. And I found, you know, I ended up uh, burning through my army college fund, my, uh, my GI, my whole GI bill in about six years. And I actually only finished probably maybe, you know, not even a quarter of the classes that I had started. I couldn't, I couldn't sit in class. That was my issue. I could pass the class, but I couldn't, I wouldn't meet attendance requirements because I just, I just couldn't feel comfortable. So after about uh, six years of that, I was like, man, I, I noticed I was, I was in such a, a uh, uh, I knew I was, I was borderline alcoholic back then. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I thought. So I was like, I, I got to get out of this area. So I decided to move up to New York from uh, South Carolina because I had uh, I had family up there, and you know I was like, well, let me see if I can find a job up there, and I, and I did. I found some great jobs. You know, I was making a, a lot of money, but I was still drinking, and the drinking got worse and worse. And then um, I was dating I was dating someone. And we, we were together for maybe two years and I was strictly alcohol, but she, you know, she was smoking weed and uh, cocaine had gotten introduced in our, into our relationship. And she was a bartender at, at one of the uh, uh, local bars is it more like a uh, Coke bar. So, you know, we, we found ourselves, you know, going through the, the sniffing lines in the bathroom, you know, drinking, and then heroin got involved, mushrooms got involved, ice, uh, pretty much everything that we could find, we were trying. And it was the cocaine, you know, the crack that real what, what really got me 
got me going. So, you know, it, it started off as, you know, a weekend thing like, you know, addiction normally does. And then it just progressed to the point to where, okay, do it on a weekend. Maybe I'll do it on a Wednesday too. And the next thing I know, I'm doing it every day, you know, and then I, I find myself at my job sneaking out to my car to do drugs during the middle of, middle of the day. I had, my, I had my dealer coming to my job to bring me 20s and 30s, you know. So <clears throat> long story short about that is I ended up losing my job, losing the place that I was uh, renting, you know, and I was like, well, it's time for me to go back home because this, this is a, a total shit show. So I packed up my, my Jeep, you know, Moved back to South Carolina thinking, you know, I'll just uh, start over down here. You know, I, I won't use the drugs. You know, I, I won't drink as much. But, you know, that's that's just the uh, the fairy tales we tell ourselves. So I wasn't home for maybe a week, two weeks, maybe. And I was like, you know what? I know where the dope spot's at. Let me go grab a little something. So and, you know, I did. And and that just and everything just collapsed on me down here and I ended up my I wasn't even home I wasn't even home a, a year I don't think when I caught my first prison bid it was for uh fraudulent checks I ended up writing checks I had about 20 checks balance because I was writing on my New York account which was closed and down in South Carolina you get 30 days per check so I ended up uh I think it was Walmart that took me to court and they issued a bench warrants for like 10 of them. So I ended up, ended up doing 10, 10 consecutive months up in the SEDC. I should have sought treatment back then, but you know, you know, when you're that young, you know, you kind of think that, you know, it, it was a fluke, you know, maybe life just spirals out of control when you're under the influence. In hindsight, you know, I could see all the issues that I've, I've, I've had in my past. And it's, it sucks because I wasted, I probably wasted a good 25 years of my life, you know, chasing, you know, alcohol, drugs, you know, women, you know, going back to my story, you know, after the first bid, you know, I, I, I came, I got out of the bed thinking, oh yeah, you know, now I got my street cred or whatever. So I started running the streets real hard, you know, started hustling for dope, doing, doing whatever, whatever I could, you know. I always thought that I didn't have a problem if I surrounded myself with people that were worse off than me. So I had a little crew that I was, I was paying, you know, I was, I was running women. I, I was doing the, uh, I was posting escort ads on, on Craigslist for uh, some of the, the girls that I knew off the streets, you know, instead of them doing, you know, $20 a date, I was getting them a hundred $200 a day and we're making a lot of money. And next thing I know is uh, one of the girls had, well, I didn't know it then, but one of the girls had gotten caught in a uh, undercover sting and she gave me up. So next thing I know is she's bringing me marked money, you know, phones are tapped. And I remember the night that uh, I was at my mom's house actually. And Next thing I know, I, I hear boom, 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 you know, Charleston Vice here to serve a search warrant. They kick in my mom's front door 
and you know they're coming in with the shotguns and everything and flashlights and you know they they caught me and one of my girls you know and you know you think that's when i would have thought that i i had some issues going on but you know it's it's it, again you know i was young and dumb so i ended up doing time for that and you know i i think i've been back and forth to prison i think i, I did about 3 or 4 prison bids and but i've spent probably five out of 10 years bouncing in, in and out of county jails, prisons and, and stuff like that. You know, my life, my life is pretty much at that point in, in about, it was about 2010 when I started thinking that, you know, I, I may have an issue. So I, I would do the old, Oh, I could sober up on my own thing. And, you know, I'd make it, you know, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, but then boredom or something else would, would kick in or, I would think that I, I had a, a good gr uh, grip on my addiction. So I would always go back and things would just get worse. I mean, at the end, you know, my family had disowned me. You know, I couldn't get a job because of my, my criminal record. And it was like, you know, my, my addictive thinking was, you know, what else do I got to live for? You know, <clears throat> and, you know, during that time, during the last couple of years, um, I ended up, uh, you know, I was dating, I was dating someone that was on drugs too. And she had got, she had gotten pregnant. And you, I always thought that, you know, that would be, that would be something that would sober us up, but it didn't. I mean, we always, always kept making excuses. We made excuses, you know, and the next thing I know is, is I, I'd gotten, I had gotten arrested and I was getting ready to do a small bid in prison and she was uh she had ended up moving in with my mom you know about she was about three four five six months pregnant and i remember i was just starting the prison bed when uh the the preacher came and got me and the priest from the prison came and got me and he told me the news that she had lost the baby and i think that was uh one of the few times that i i really really broke down and, and cried i mean i mean it's the worst place to actual cry is in prison but but i but you know it was something that really really crushed my what little hope i had well what what i thought was the little bit of hope by that hope that i had inside me and you know it, it just it felt like it ripped my heart out and and what it ended up doing was it made me go when I got, when I actually, you know, I did my time, I got out and then, then I, I, things really got reckless. You know, I, I really went, I really, really went nuts out there. And, you know, I, I was at the, this point to where, you know, after my, after, you know, three, four five days of being awake that, you know, I was just, I was just praying to God not to wake me up anymore. I was like, I have nothing left to live for. Obviously, he he did wake me up, and my last real run out there, I have gotten arrested in Berkeley County for drug possession. I ended up uh, they ended up taking me to, to county jail, and I spent about a hundred days there, and I finally bonded out of that one. And then I wasn't even out for two weeks when I got arrested for uh, shoplifting, property crime enhancement in another county, and I ended up bonding out on that one. I had entered a uh, a program at the VA for a treatment and I had, you know, signed up for their homeless shelter because I, I knew I wasn't going to beat the charges. I knew 
whenever I, I whenever they took me to court that I was probably going to look at, you know, doing a, you know, three, five year bid for it. So I had reached out to the VA and, you know, they, they enrolled me in the, in the treatment program, enrolled me in the homeless program. And I was doing that, you know, and that's when uh, I probably had about, you know, four or five months sobriety back then. And my last relapse happened the night that I left that homeless shelter. I had, I was in that homeless shelter waiting to get a, a housing grant from the government. And when I, when I finally got it, I wasn't even in that house for, for three, three hours. And before I called my dope boy and, you know, I thought that I would just party over the weekend. I'd be because, you know, no one, no one would know, but, you know, in hindsight, I knew. And that that weekend, that planned weekend relapse lasted four months and added four burglary, uh, three second degree burglaries and one third degree burglary to my already to my other charges. And I mean, that that's what addiction does to us, man. It, it just it just clouds the mind. It, it takes away all of your 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 common sense. It it breaks you down to where, you know, where, where it broke me down to where you feel like you got nothing to live for. And that's, I mean, it's sadly, that's where so many people that are still in active addiction are at right now. They, they don't think they could, they could bounce back from where they're at now. And, you know, my, my message has always been, you know, look at me, look at my story to where I was, I had felonies in three different counties. I was looking at 10, 15 years and, you know, I had, I didn't have a, a pot to piss in. I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything. All I had was a desire not, not to live that way anymore. I mean, my early treatment, I remember uh, I, it started, I, I had moved back to my mom's house. I was in drug court. I, you know, I gotten, I gotten swore, I swore in a, a, a pleaded in a drug court. I was uh, doing a, a treatment program at the VA still. And I remember I had to, I had to walk a mile to the bus stop. I had to take two buses, sometimes three buses. Sometimes the buses would quit running because, because after work I would have to do the drug court classes. I mean, but that's what it, what it took for, for someone like me. I, I had to, I had to do it every day. I, for the first, for the year, a year straight in that program, I never missed a day, no matter what. If I was sick, I still sucked it up. If my if my ankle was swollen, I I hobbled. Sometimes I remember one time I had to, I had to take a cane to walk that mile to the bus stop. You talk about every step. It reminded me that I put myself in that position. You know, I I, I could I probably could have asked you know, uh, my sister for help. But, you know, I wanted I wanted to burn that into my mind that I had put myself into that. I had let my addiction control me and I refused. I mean, even today, I, I still refuse to let my addiction sneak back up on me. I mean, that's why I get up. You know, most days I'm up by five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, even on my off days. I mean, that's that's the dedication I have to my own personal recovery. I mean, just and being part of you know the recovery revolution that, that that's been a blessing for me. I mean, I mean, I started it in December of 2018 with me and my fiance Carrie Smith, and it's grown to you know 250,000 followers in what three years. I mean, that's that's tells me that th there's people out there wanting 
wanting that extra boost. Maybe they don't know how to ask for help. You know, we have we have people that message the page, you know, every now and then. But I mean, a lot of people are just so afraid to admit that they have a problem. I mean, that that was my problem too because I didn't know how to ask for help. I mean, coming out of the military, you know, we we were trained, you know, to figure things out, and I kept I every, everything I tried, I failed. So it was the the I think the smartest thing I ever did was ask for help from the from the uh, the VA, and you know that's where uh, I guess I should go into where I started writing. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you where where the book came into this whole thing. Yeah, the book came in when uh, I was I was actually I kind of like fast forwarded through uh, the end of the story, but you'd have to roll back to where I had the two felonies. I was out on bond for both of them. And then uh, when I caught the extra burglary felonies, I was already in drug court. So, but I had gotten arrested. So they, they took me to the, uh, to a, to the third County. So that was my, my, my third County in the year. And that's where I sat down and, and, and started writing. I just, I, I, some, something, you know, consumed me to where I was like, well, I've been in this same position in the same jails you know for you know 10 out of the last 20 years let me do something different prepare myself i mean because because back then i didn't i didn't know what was going to happen i mean i didn't know if, if they were going to terminate my drug court and you know just let me face you know whatever was coming my way to be honest with you, i didn't have a pot to piss in dude i had they had pictures of me stealing under the burglary charges i mean that's those were the the biggest of the, of the the ones that I had, and I, I'm looking, you know, ten years for those. <laughs> so, so I didn't know what what drug court was going to do. So I, so when they put me in jail, I just I just picked up a pen and just started writing. And, and I couldn't believe the stuff that was coming out of me. I mean, over the last you know twenty years, you know, I've been doing these uh these recovery uh, research things, you know, mindfulness and you know CBT therapy. You know, I've been doing all these things and I, I never really paid attention, but somehow that stuff stuck in the back of my brain. So when I started writing, all of that shit came out, man. And I'm like, I, I was like, man, this is some powerful stuff. I spent 90 days in, in county lockup waiting for drug court. At, at the end of those 90 days, I, I think I had written 77 pages. I mean, of, of primo stuff. I'm like, man, this stuff really has me seeing what my addiction was blinding me to. I could I could pinpoint to where addiction was was manipulating me enough to where I could see I could see addiction's game plan and I could plan accordingly. So that's that's the way I, I live, and that's that's the, that's the the main point of you know of my writing is is to help me figure out what addiction's trying to do. And if it if it helps someone like me, then it's got to help other people. That's the whole point of the book. I've probably spent the last year trying to get it into libraries and and everything i mean i want to put it out there you know i need i know from a uh a businessman standpoint it's probably bad bad business to put it where people can read it for free but that's i mean to me it, it's more about giving back i mean if i can help save one person from what i went through then all of the, all of the the time that it took for me to write it and re-edit it you know, it, it would be well worth it. Yeah. And I, I totally understand that. I mean, that's how I feel about the podcasts with all the 
time and money and and whatnot that I've invested in in this podcast. And it's the same way, man. If I can help one person, it's totally worth it. Like that, I feel like that's a a pretty common theme with people that are in in recovery is like just wanting to give back and help other people that are in the same or similar situations to where they came from. Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's, that's why, you know, I, I am, when people say recover out loud, you know, I'm in the front front lines, man, dude, there, there's so many people that are suffering needlessly now. I mean, they think they can't get back on their feet. They, they, they don't think that their family will ever forgive them for whatever. I mean, look at me, man. I, I, when they raided my mom's house, they put my mom, my mom was sleeping in the back. They woke her up, put her in handcuffs. You know, she's, she's got my back now. She knows I'm, I'm trying my best. I mean, see, we have this, uh, we have this belief that because we were out there for so long that, that society will always judge us to be the addict. That's not true. I found society actually wants us to come back. They want us to, to, you know, to be better human beings. I wouldn't be where I'm at today professionally if I wouldn't, you know, recovered out loud. You know, I mean, if I meet someone, I mean, I, I'm not. Uh, well, I guess I do wear <laughs> recovery T-shirts, but, but you know, I'm, if I, I meet someone, you know, pretty much if, if we're hitting it all, I'm gonna tell you my story. I'm gonna tell you where I was, you know, and what I'm doing now. I mean, that's how I got my uh, my job with, with the VA. I'm, I'm a federal employee, man. I mean, I've had friends that have like one or two felonies get rejected there. And look at me, my, my whole past, my, I had 20 years of charges, man. When I printed up my background report, man, it was it was 20, 30, 30 pages long. Man. And, the, and the guy was uh, the guy was like uh, he re- they rejected me the first time I applied. And he's like, you know, if you want to you want to talk, here's my number. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to call you. I called dude and we, we started talking. We, we talked about 30 minutes on the phone and, you know, in the beginning he's like, no, I can't, you, your past is too bad. You know, you, you know, and then, you know, about, you know, first about halfway through that, he's like, yeah, you know, you know, you're not such a bad dude, you know, maybe apply for the kitchen or housekeeping or something like that. And I was like, dude, man, I've just trained for a year in this work therapy program to work in sterile processing and that's where i want to go so it took probably another 15 minutes of talking and he's like i'm gonna give you a shot and that that's how it all started man i mean i i'm totally up front with where i've been where i'm going i mean i I love recovery i love how it changes lives how it saves lives i tell people i mean just just commit yourself to your recovery work on yourself you know don't i mean don't think just because you're abstinent from drugs or alcohol that you you fixed your issues. That's that's not the issue. I mean, that's the easy part where I I stand. I mean, dealing with all the all the, the legal ramifications, the physical ramifications, that's that's when life gets hard. So that's that's where I'm at, buddy. I love it, man. And and like you said, recovery out loud, like you never know who you could affect. And you know, just for an example, like there's a guy that I worked with several years ago. I haven't seen him in probably three or four years. And he sent me a message on Facebook the other night, like, Hey man, I saw the live stream. I've been struggling. Can, can I give you a call? I was like, yeah, of course, man, you can call me anytime. Like, it's so awesome how just by us being honest and vulnerable and, and sharing what's going on with us that, that we can have an impact on other people. Yeah, exactly, dude. 
I actually signed up on, on Facebook year. I mean, before all of this, you know, probably about eight, 10 years ago when it first came out, I used to play games on Facebook. You know, we had this whole gaming community. And that's where, where the, the majority of my Facebook friends come from. They know me from. And I'm, I get messages from some of them about addiction and everything else because, you know, they, chances are, I mean, like, I think the, I don't know what the stat, the, the correct stats are, but I think they say one in, addiction affects one in three families or something like that, you know, and, and I just love helping people. I mean, if I could give someone advice, you know, I mean, I'm, I am a certified peer support specialist for, uh, you know, mental health and, and substance use. So if I, if I can help someone, you know, help guide them to make a, a, a better informed decision, and that, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what, like, what I plan to do with the, uh, the Recovery Revolution page. Well, actually, what we are doing, I'm opening up. I mean, that, your podcast was the first one on, on this whole new, uh, new thing. I mean, we got such a, a great platform. Why don't we, you know, do what we, whatever we can to help people, man? Absolutely, man. Well, we're kind of coming towards the the end of our time, but I'd love to give you an opportunity if there's somebody that's listening to the episode that's wanting to learn more about your book or want to want to follow, follow along in your journey. Where can they find the book? Where can they connect with you on social media? Give us some uh, some different resources to find you. Like I say, my name is Jr. Weaver. Um, I mean, my uh, my Facebook, I think my my Instagram and my Twitter handles are is uh, it's at Jr. Weaver zero. Uh, my book's called The Addiction Manifesto. You can find I mean, just Google that. It, it's going to pop off. It's it's pretty much everywhere now. So he, he is world famous, and I'll be sure to include links in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can just scroll down and tap on the different links and, and find out more about JR. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with us, JR. It was truly a pleasure. And, you know, I was excited coming into it, even though I kind of already knew bits and pieces of your story and we, we already have a relationship, but I was still excited to have you on and help spread the message of JR to, to the rest of the recovery community and, and hopefully introduce some new people to you and your story. So thank you for coming on tonight, man. One of these days you're going to read my book, buddy. <laughs> I know I am. It's on my to-do list. You're- you read Anna Davids in like a, a day. <laughs> you reminded two hours, man. Yeah, well, I cheated on her, so I'm waiting on the audio book. Yeah. All right, I appreciate it, man. I'm glad we finally got a chance to sit down. I know you've been uh, after me for a minute. I've been trying to duck you, man, like 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 Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> JR, thank you again for coming on the show today, man. I really do appreciate it. Be sure to check out his book, The Addiction Manifesto, and the Facebook page, Recovery Revolution. You can find it at facebook.com slash recoveryrevolution100. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.